Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Obadiah Smith, Jr. Glad to be back, Jim. All right, Obadiah Smith, Jr. How about that senior guy? Who was that? Obadiah Smith. <laughs> and your dad. Yes, my dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. no, that's good, but he passed away when you were still a boy. Yeah, when I was 12 years of age. But a good man. You loved him. I loved him well, Jim, and instilled some values in me that I'm living them out today. And I understand you have a son that you named in the same way. Yes, Obadiah Smith the Third. There you go. It's an elegant name, Obadiah. Thank you. And thanks for joining us today on Viewpoint as we follow up to Easter, which we celebrated last week. And we did so thinking about the theme 24, like a mini-series. Some years ago, there was on television a series called 24. Years and ago. every episode was just one hour. And it was really creative, the way in which the, the drama was kind of suspense-filled, yes. unfolded. One episode at a time, one hour at a time, so that as you got through the whole television season, you only experienced one day. Oh. And, you know, it's a great concept. Well, we all know that a day can make a difference. Yes. And uh, you and I both have had days that changed our lives forever. Yes, we have. How about the day your son Obadiah was born? I mean, unforgettable. Unforgettable (laughs) moment. And you've never been the same? Yes. Since. Similarly, I have four boys, but each one of them changed my life. And and so it is with life. A day can make a difference. But when you look at history, there's one day above all others. It's the pivot of history. Everything before this day has passed away. And everything after this day has been changed for the better because of what happened in those 24 hours. So as we think about 24, let's think also about Luke chapter 24 in the New Testament because... Luke chapter 24 tells the story of that 24-hour day. And we looked at the first part of that day last week. This week, we're going to take another chunk of that time. And this is that first Easter Sunday. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead, Easter. It's the 24 hours that changed the world more than any other day in history. Why do Christians get together on Sunday, Obadiah? Jesus, the resurrection. That's right. He rose from the dead on a Sunday, the first day of the week, which in the New Testament, the early believers began to call the Lord's Day. Differentiated from the seventh-day Sabbath of the Old Testament age, the Lord's Day, this day where believers gather together to never forget, no matter what else you think, no matter what your doctrine, no matter what your challenges, no matter what your worship style, Jesus rose from the dead. That is the day that changed history. It's what we celebrate even now when we come back. Help us unpack a few more hours in that 24 of all time. The scriptures tell us in all four of the gospel stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that very early in the morning on that first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. Crowds had seen him murdered on the cross. Days before, they had seen him flogged and beaten. They had seen him humiliated and stripped. They saw him lifted up on a cross. They saw his blood drip down. They saw his sides pierced. They saw his bones broken. They saw the lifeless, limp body of Jesus taken off the cross with no breath, no brainwave, no evidence of life. He was not in a coma. He was not just passed out. He was not asleep. He wasn't just numbed by pain. He was dead, a dead man. And he was laid to rest in a tomb, buried for days. And then on the first day of the week, some friends came to the tomb just to remember him. And he was gone. (laughs) Alive. Angels said, he's alive. That's what we looked at. Those are the hours of that first Easter morning. The first hours of that 24-hour day that changed everything was the knowledge, the witness of these women that Jesus was alive. 
And throughout the next hours of that day, that same first day, Jesus would appear alive in a new body. He would be in a resurrection body, similar to the one he had before, but a new one. But it was tactile. It's real. It's flesh and bone. We'll learn that in his resurrection body, Jesus can be touched and felt. He can eat, but he can also defy the laws of physics. It's a supernatural kind of an outcome. He was alive, and he still is alive today. We want to unpack a few more of these hours in those 24. This is Luke chapter 24. This is the first Easter Sunday. Here's what the scripture says. That same day, this Easter Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself, the resurrected Christ, suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who has not heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped, we had thought, we had dreamed, we had imagined he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this Sunday morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and that they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, as they're walking along, Jesus was not recognized by them, and they still don't get who is talking to them, but he's beginning to open their eyes. What does the Bible tell us next, Obadiah? By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who have gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Wow. Boy, 24 hours. Yes. What can happen in a day? As you're listening to our broadcast today, you may have a question or a comment. You may just want to contribute to the conversation. We want you to know that we're always glad to hear from you. Just give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone. 
and we hope you'll give us a call. I'll give you the number again at the end of our broadcast, but just know, you are valued by us. Obadiah, as we have just walked through a few more hours of that day that changed all history, that original 24-hour day that has been the pivot of all time, we've had an experience with two men on the road to Emmaus, a little village about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're very troubled by all the things that have happened in their recent memory. They loved Jesus. They admired him. He was an outstanding figure. They had thought he was the guy who was going to deliver their country from oppression. They had so many high hopes for him, and yet he was murdered. He was dragged off by the authorities, and he was hung on a cross, and he was dead and buried. And all of that has caused him a lot of grief. And, and then, then all of a sudden they get this wild story that he's come back to life. Come on, can that really be true? What do you mean the tomb is empty? These women, we think they're smart, but honestly, who could put their arms around this story? We just don't know what to make of it. And then Jesus, hearing them, he just listens to them. Yes. Hearing all that, he says, well, wait a minute. How come you don't pay attention to what the scriptures in the Old Testament actually said? Because they all predicted this, and he begins to unpack that until at last their eyes are open and they recognize him. I mean, this is one of those moments where their lives are changed forever, and I think there's some lessons in that for us too. So for instance, when you meet someone or you hear someone who actually believes Jesus has risen from the dead, you can't help but wonder and wrestle with it. Yes. These guys have been listening to other people talk. Other people who said, we've seen Jesus. We had an intersection with Jesus. We, we think Jesus is real and he's alive. And yet you have to wonder, come on, can that really be true? Don't you think, Obadiah, that's still where we are today? Yes, it is, Jim. And, and particularly when we come in the company of others that believe in Christ, something comes alive. And you may not be a believer yet. You may yes. not actually think that it's credible. But you can't just dismiss it. Yes. You can't just walk away and say, well, that's nonsense. How preposterous. Now, some people have hearts hardened, and some have been through a lifetime of listening to people talk about Jesus, and now they're deaf and dumb to that kind of talk. But when you first hear about it, there is something that arrests you about it. A conversation about a living Jesus who is still alive and at work in our world. The knowledge that someone could be dead and buried and come back to life with a body that actually can be touched and felt. All of that is the kind of thing that is embedded in us. I think God has planted in us a receptivity to this truth. And you may not want to accept it just yet, but I promise you, as you walk along life's road, keep your eyes and your ears open. Because as you are more and more willing to think with Jesus and think about Jesus and wrestle with the idea, you might be surprised who comes up alongside. Oh, and Jesus appears to them as he is the subject of the conversation. Do you catch that nuance in the story, Obadiah? These guys, they are not sure that Jesus is alive, but they're talking about him. Yes. I mean, there's power in words. Yes. What we talk about comes to life. Having a full conversation for us to comprehend what we're talking about may be evidence to increase our faith and give answers to our doubts, but we're in conversation. Well, and, and the subject of our conversation defines the trajectory of our experience. So if I want to talk to you about some really wicked stuff, Obadiah, I promise you, you and I will find that. Yes. I could start talking to you about some things that wouldn't be healthy. I could let my mind run wild, and I could draw you in, and pretty soon what has only been talked will actually become real for us. Yes. Ah, but wait a minute. 
What if I applied that to talking about heavenly things? What if we talked about Jesus? Jesus. What if we talked about who he is and what he did and how he lives and what he expects of us? What if we talked about the things he taught? What if we talked about his plan for history? What if we talked about his sense of calling in our lives? You know what? That conversation, we're going to find some of that coming to pass too, aren't we? These men were talking about Jesus. They weren't sure what to make of all the stories they'd heard, but their openness and their willingness to ground themselves and to wrestle with these truths about Jesus actually allowed Jesus to walk up and join them. And I'm telling you, if you're listening to us today, you get in some conversations about Jesus with some other people who are also sincerely seeking him, you'll be amazed, jaw-dropping amazed at what you discover and how real Jesus might be in your midst. You know, Jesus isn't always recognized right up front, is he? No, he's not. But even with him not being recognized, Jesus still engaged. He still was talking. And I think that's true for many of us too. We may not actually recognize that it's Jesus who is actually stirring in our hearts. It's Jesus who is actually in conversation with us. And it's only in time as he discloses himself and as we become more and more drawn into his truth that we have our eyes open and we recognize it. But I want to speak to all of our listeners today. You may be in a season like these guys on the road to Emmaus. You're talking about Jesus. You're interested in Jesus. You're just not sure about Jesus. But never underestimate how close he is. He may be closer to you than you can imagine. And you will see him shortly. And you will see him in wonderful ways. And just know that Jesus will engage you. He'll talk with you. He'll implant ideas in you. He has a way of stretching your horizons and drawing you into his word. Think about this. Jesus is very close by. He's not far away from you, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. Start talking him up and see what happens. There's one more thing before we take a break, Obadiah, that just strikes me about the story. And that's how, as Jesus comes alongside, he's a great listener. Yes. You know, I guess I think of Jesus coming to me with all the answers. But he starts out by just listening. He just asks questions. What are you thinking about? What are you talking about? Where is your head right now? He doesn't run in with, hey, I'm going to straighten you out and fix this up. (laughs) He's a listener. Oh, but I've ever had a moment with Jesus where all you want to do was just talk? Yes, just as I would call, get it off my chest and just... Vent before the Lord. You just want to be honest. Yes. I've got these questions. I can't figure it out. Life is a mess up. (laughs) There's chaos. There's confusion. I've got people telling me things I'm just not sure I can believe. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He just listened to them. Oh, man, if I want to be a follower of Jesus, I need to take this tip. Yes. I need to listen more often and just hear people out because when people have a chance to be heard, they're much more able than to hear. Yes. And that was Jesus' MO. When we come back, there are a few more things out of this story that we want to grab that I think can speak right into the here and now. Stay with us.
24 hours, 24 hours that changed the world not like any other day, Easter Sunday, the first one, still, still can speak to us. We've been talking about those 24 hours as described in Luke chapter 24. And Obadiah, you and I have been talking about a particular few hours on that first Easter Sunday where Jesus was walking along a road. He comes along two of his disciples. They don't recognize him because he's been raised from the dead. They just, for some reason, can't see that it's really him. He engages them in a conversation, and at last they see him before he goes. One thing that strikes me is they're blinded. Now, the scripture suggests that the Lord kind of held their eyes so they wouldn't see him at first. And there's a mystery about that kind of interaction with God and us. But there's another dynamic to the story that I think blinds many of us to seeing Jesus, and that is he didn't meet their expectations. Yes, right. Isn't that what, what, what they tell Jesus? They don't know they're talking to Jesus, but they're saying, you know, we're, we're all worked up about this guy named Jesus from Nazareth. He, We thought he was a great guy, and he had so much power, and he was going to deliver us. And they, they list all their expectations yes. for what he was going to do, and he didn't meet those. He got murdered. He was hung on a cross and buried and dead, and now we hear wild tales about him living again. I mean, none of that is in our profile of the Messiah, of the wonder worker, the guy we want to follow. Yeah, because sometimes we're wrapped up in Jesus with our own expectations that we really miss the truth behind what actually happened. I want Jesus uh, as Santa Claus. <laughs> I want Jesus as Sugar Daddy. Yes. I want Jesus as big, mean king who's going to just wipe out all the bad guys that I don't like. I mean, we have all kinds of ways yes. of framing Jesus, don't we? Mm -hmm. And sometimes because we clothe him ourselves, almost like a, a paper doll, we cut out the clothes we want him to wear, and he's not wearing those actually, we can't recognize him when he's right up close by. And Jesus is always close by. Behold, I will be with you always, he said, even to the ends of the age. We need to open our eyes and allow Jesus to appear to us in the way and in the persona and in the truth that he wants to share with us. And that's why I think in part, they just can't see him clearly for a long time. But when do the scales fall off their eyes? When do they actually get it? I think this is really interesting. When he had a meal with them. When he sat down to eat. Yes. You know, mealtime is so important, Obadiah. Yes, it I mean, is. When you were a kid with your dad before he passed, yes. do you remember those times? Oh, those were the exciting times, coming together, joking, laughing, strengthening your relationship, not only with your father, but your other family members. It was a joyous time that I had as a child. Jim. And probably there were some moments there where everybody relaxed a little bit. I mean, there yes. was an authenticity to it. You know, when you're going somewhere, you've got a schedule to keep, got to get the car washed, got to get the grass mowed, got to go to work, got to make the bed, do the laundry, wash the I mean, all those things kind of drive us. And as they drive us, our true selves aren't always observed. But you sit down for a meal, take a deep breath, and while you're just nourishing your body, your soul and relationships yes. can be nourished too. That's what you're describing. Yes. And that's so much a part of the New Testament. Think about all the times Jesus is disclosed at mealtime, not just after the resurrection, but before. Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I'm going to come to your house for dinner. And he's going to talk to the despised tax collector whose life is going to be changed forever, but it's over a meal. He's going to have women who are despised by their community come and wash his feet, and there's going to be a big hubbub about, how dare you let these people hang out with you? Don't you know who they are? If you were really all that you say you are with God, you would have a better sense of who these lowlifes are. 
It's all about a mealtime. And Jesus is saying, hey, these people love me. You know, people who are forgiven much love much. In fact, the Last Supper, the most famous dinner of all time, what is it? It's a meal where Jesus gives some of the greatest teaching of all time. All right, resurrected Jesus, same trip. They don't see who he is. They can't fully comprehend him until he sits down to eat with them. What I'm suggesting here is that for everyone right now listening who really wants to see Jesus, invite him to your dining table. I mean, it's as simple as don't eat until you ask a blessing because that's when their eyes are open. When Jesus breaks the bread and blesses it, he prays to the Father in heaven, and it's then that they see don't eat until you pray and thank God for what you eat. And then ask God to show up at your table. Ask Jesus to be present. And then start talking about him. See what happens. Yes. Oh, are you eating alone tonight? Then go find someone to eat with. Get involved in a church. Find a friend. Call up a coworker. Find a family member that you haven't met up with for a while. Even the one with whom you have a strained relationship. Start off with a prayer of blessing. Ask Jesus to be present. Start talking about Jesus, who he is. Is he really alive? This is what he said. And see what happens. Friends, I'm telling you that that first Easter Sunday isn't just a faraway excuse to have a Cadbury chocolate egg today. It's actually a life-changing dynamic for all of us here and now. That day, 20 centuries ago, changed everything. And today, it can change you. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today. We're so thankful for that first Easter Sunday and for the living Christ today. We pray, Lord, that you will show him to us. May we, even who are not certain and are confused, may be doubting, may we still be open to seeing him. We pray, Lord, that his Holy Spirit will strive within us, that we will have the courage to talk about him. We pray, Lord, that we will dine with him. And we pray, Lord, that our eyes might be opened to see him. I know, Lord, that the whole thing may sound very mysterious and implausible to someone whose head is bowed with us now in prayer, but I pray that this week you will honor their openness to the living Christ in this week that is in the wake of Easter 2016. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that you've prayed, give us a call. Just dial this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-800-757-8439. 1-800-757-VIEW. We're by the phone. We want to hear from you. It's toll-free. Give us a call. But Obadiah, if someone didn't want to pick up the phone, not so sure they want to talk to somebody just yet, but they'd like to check it out online, where could they go? cbhviewpoint.org. That's it, CBH. We are Christians Broadcasting Hope. cbhviewpoint.org, that's our web address. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email. We will reply. Or the last, send me a letter. Just address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you give us a call, check us out online, or visit us by post, let us hear from you this week. Thank mm-hmm. you.
Obadiah Smith Jr., so glad to be with you anytime. Glad to be back, Jim. Thanks for walking on the road to Emmaus with us today. Yes. And we thank you for joining us alongside, too. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Happy Easter, and stay tuned.